Alright everybody, and welcome back to Manga for Dummies, episode 2. Uh, there's been a small change in personnel, so we're going to start by introducing ourselves and end each introduction by saying fuck VJ. So hi everybody, my name's Yuan, and fuck VJ. Hi everybody, I'm Max, fuck VJ. Hi everyone, um, fuck VJ cannot be here today, so I'll be replacing him. Uh, my name is Jag, and um, this will be... My third time going through Full Metal Alchemist. I've read the manga twice already, and I've watched the, the 2009 anime. So, Jag, so really uh, which uh, anime did you prefer? Did, have you ever watched the first one? I watched a little bit of the first one. I had a bootleg uh, DVD copy from Chinatown. Uh, I got through, like, 20-something episodes. Um, I really liked it. It's, it's hard to say. The first one's a lot darker. And... Right, yeah. uh, as, as you guys mentioned in the first episode, but the second one, I feel like it was a lot more truer to the, anime, to the manga, so you got to see what was going on. So it's, it's different. I don't necessarily have a preference. Right. So last episode, we really talked from chapter one to five. Um, mm -hmm. So obviously you weren't there, so can you just share some quick thoughts of what you felt from the very beginnings of, of the manga? So the chapter one to five, obviously, is a lot more, it's not necessarily world building, but it's an introduction to uh, the characters more so than ever. There's a lot of comedy um, that you guys noticed and you guys talked about. And I feel that although the comedy sort of declines a little as the story progresses due to the, uh, the increasing seriousness of nature, it's what really hooks the readers in. And um, we have the author using various tropes to um, put relief into the manga, whether it's through like little chibi designs, uh, through um, little quotes, for example, when Edward was fighting the other guy with the auto mail, he'd use a one-liner, like, uh, you got the cheaper model, didn't you? So it, it really gets the, the readers engaged with the characters right from the get-go. Right. All right, so for everybody at home, um, the way we're going to do it this time, it will be probably a little different from last episode, because last episode, episode was more of like an introduction to the series. We really went like chapter by chapter. Uh, considering we gave you guys a heads up that we're going to be reading up till chapter 25 this time, uh, we'll reference everything from chapter 6 up towards chapter 25. So if we're talking about chapter 6 right now, we could reference something up to 25. And uh, But we won't go beyond, just so that we don't spoil ahead. But we will expect that you have read at least that far. Um, so I guess the first place to start would just be chapter 6, which was a continuation from the last chapter where... It ends on um, this mysterious man coming in and, and killing poor, poor old Nina and uh, Show Tucker. And I think this really just shows um, there's like a it's it's really dark, you know. It doesn't it doesn't really conclude. They don't do a three uh, one eighty and and change the mood back up to light. Uh, there's like a, a good chunk that's a really dark. Even the, the first chapters, even though it does uh, the first pages, even though they don't really have anything to do with Nina or Show, uh, was relatively dark. It's, it it sort of tricks you into it, and then it 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 shows you that like bleeding mother kind of kind of imagery, and uh, that was um that was really something. <laughs> what do you guys think, Jack? What do you think? Yeah, well, obviously here right now, like there's um from the reader's perspective, we're introduced to a lot of different things going on. So first we had the, the incident um, in New York with Father Cornell, and then, all, and then all of a sudden we're introducing another um, possible antagonist right here. So there's not much that uh, the reader knows about his motives or what's going on. Um, 
all we know that he seems to be following some religious belief that is guiding his actions. Right, so I think this really, uh, because in the first episode we talked about um, on chapter one, there was some religion talked about, uh, so we're not really sure if there's like a, a, it coincides, we don't know if it's the same religion that's being repeated, Uh, Mm -hmm. last time it was the sun god, I think it was Leto, Um, Mm -hmm. and this time they don't really reference the gods, so we don't know if it's the same religion, and we don't know if it's a different religion, if it's uh, conflicting religions, but there's a lot of Mm -hmm. interesting dynamics. Um, we also see like a little bit of the view of like the slums, I want to say. Um, so we have a, a ton of it, like they're in like a it's a relatively advanced like civilization, I would say the manga is set in, but things aren't perfect. There's still some poverty. Uh, there's still uh, infighting and stuff like that. And then obviously we're we get to look at again uh, gluttony and lust, and then. Yeah. And a new character sort of gets revealed in a really surprising way, I would say. Yeah. It's also interesting how, like, um, oftentimes throughout this manga, you're going to have the theme of religion and science, whereas in uh, in alchemy, for example, it's very similar to to chemistry, right? Uh, You're mixing ingredients, equivalent exchange, and all that. And then how this manga tends to do with those two themes, it tends to use alchemy to blur the lines between the two, you know, like what's science and what's the work of God? Exactly. So that's something to, to keep an eye out for in the future. And at the same time, there's a demonstration of abilities. Like, um, for example, uh, this new character that's uh, shown in has the ability to transform, uh, like from from the priest in chapter one and two, into this mm-hmm. new, new, more young, slim form. And then we obviously see the little tattoo. I don't. I'm not sure what you call it. Like a, I think it's in the overalls. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you see the tattoo and. Uh, we talked about it in the last episode. Uh, the other two also have tattoos, respectively. One on, on like, right above her chest, and the other one uh, on his tongue. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's like a, a calling card sort of thing. And then we just really get to, we, and then we just get thrown back to the Elric brothers. So Max, can you just um, you sort of tell me what you felt uh, reading this chapter? So in the sixth chapter, they come face to face with the guy, who we learn his name. He's named Scar because he has this giant scar on his forehead, and they just get overpowered super quickly. And I find that like underwhelming. Even though they were sort of surprise attack, I thought like they could, you know, put up a fight. They were trained. They're state alchemists. They should show some prowess. But no, they just get their, they just get their ass handed to them. Like Al just gets his body ripped apart, and well, Elric loses his arm. So, so I think it's really a compounding factor from the last chapter. So last chapter we really talked about how the Elric brothers, even though it's not technically their fault that Nina turned into a chimera, they really feel like some some feeling of guilt or some feeling of um, disappointment, um, and then. Uh, this chapter they really just get their ass handed so it's more like a physical beating so I think it's like a really it's like <laughs> it gets the shit just gets getting worse and worse <laughs> the fact that they couldn't take revenge for Nina is also a big factor into their mental trauma that they got from this beating so and also not, not, no, not only do we see he's outmaneuvering the both 
our brothers, but you know, despite the waves of reinforcements that are coming, he just doesn't seem to be slowed down in any way possible. Right. Yeah. This guy looks like a relentless killing machine. Um, I think they reference somewhere inside the chapter that he like already went through like a, half a dozen uh, state alchemists, yeah. and uh, he's just really just running through these guys. Yeah. And one different aspect from the manga than the than the anime is that in the manga, due to the black and white nature, you're not able to appreciate how the manga describes Scar as having like dark toned skin and red eyes, which would identify him as an Ishvarite. Right. Right. So it's something for the readers to keep in mind. To, these physical appearances are pretty important to the story. So speaking of Ishvar, right, that's really just comes into play in chapter seven. Uh, so the very beginnings of chapter seven is really just continuation of the fight. Uh, I think one thing is that. This guy, it's like continuously they keep pushing the point of of God and religion playing a part. Like even though he could kill him, kill uh, Edward, he says, "I'll give you time to pray to God," which mm-hmm. um, which is sort of like a, a weird character characteristic. Um, and then uh, I th- I'm not sure. I think it's um here that we also get to meet um the lieutenant. Is, is he a lieutenant or is he a Armstrong? Is he a lieutenant? He's a major. He's major. Major, yeah. I think this guy is actually my favorite character overall in the series. <laughs> he has such a nice, goofy look to him. Right, and his uh, his alchemy. He's called like uh, the strong alchemist. The strong arm, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, like, uh, unlike every other alchemist, he's like the most simplistic. I would say, like, he would just beat people and then create like uh, spikes, sort of. Mm-hmm. And it, it really shows that. Um, Another thing is that, like last last chat, last episode, we talked about Showtucker, and he's an alchemist too, but he's more of a researcher. So this is back to um, more fighter types of alchemists. Yeah, battle alchemists. So. Right. Mm-hmm. But uh, one thing I did want to note so that uh, in this chapter, they did specify that because uh, Scar has red eyes and brown skin, um, he's an Ishvatar. Ishvarite. Ish. Ish. I think the right. translation changes according to like which manga source you're using. Right, so I'll just I'll just call it Ishvar, I guess. Uh, yeah. So um, one thing I would ask is, uh, do you guys think that if you have brown skin, people won't just assume you're an Ish Ishvar? You have to have red mm-hmm. eyes too. I mean, the red eyes. I think that sells it because you can have brown, you can have like tan brown skin, even though you're from somewhere. So I think as far as I know, and I don't think this will be spoiling anything. I don't think any other non. Ishvar. I don't think there are any non-Ishvar characters in this manga that have brown skin, though. I'm trying to think through it. No, I think I think you're right. Like everyone in the military seems to be quite uh, pale in comparison. The Arik brothers. Uh, every. Um, yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. But I think that's done on purpose to avoid confusion with the readers. Right. And um, I guess like it really just ends on the chapter ends on a quick history lesson on the Ishvar annihilation campaign, which uh, was pretty much a civil war. It's, I would I want to call it a civil. War. They they call they keep referencing it as a civil war, but to be honest, it feels more like how the U.S. invaded uh, Iraq and Iran. So <laughs> I don't really know if that's really a civil war. Um, was it even their territory? I don't think so, because I I'm pretty sure unless it's like a. Because it's a little vague, I like to say, because it doesn't really explain if um, if it's a city, if it's a... Well, I guess it is a country, right? Well, it says on the map here, East Area. Area. Um, I, I would assume, like, if, if you think of the grand scheme of 
of what's going on, um, the, the whole story as a whole, knowing what we know. Um, the, the battle taking place in uh, the east area that is Ishvar is quite, the location itself is quite important. Um, so I think that actually it would be a part of the eastern area of Amistris, indeed. Right. So yeah, I think that's, we, we pretty much touched most of what I wanted to touch on Chapter 7. So moving on to Chapter 8, it's a little more lighthearted, and by little, I mean like a lot more lighthearted. Um, so pretty much what happened is, um, well, Scar really screwed uh, Edward's arm and uh, Alphonse's body, so they had to fix it. Uh, so the really beginning is just them heading back home to their to their favorite uh, mechanic, auto mill mechanic. Two favorite right? mechanic. Yeah. Right. Because all mechanics have different techniques for auto mill, <laughs> so he he has to go back to his source to. And they're accompanied them. by uh, Armstrong. So yeah, uh, possibly still after them, so they need to get. Right. So um, here around like chap like page ten, they sort of reference um automail tuners. I guess they call that tuners. Uh, they they called it like a sur- like sort of like surgeon, sort of like a prosthetic harnesser and a tuner. So Jack, you're like half a doctor, right? So would 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 uh would prosthetics be considered something in the medical field? Um, yeah, so you, you've got the prosthetic itself, so in this case, the one who makes the prosthetic, as we'll see, uh, as, as the readers have seen later on, in the case of Winry, um, let's say, right, she's the one that makes the prosthetic, right. the surgeon is going to be the one that's going to attach it to the body, um, mm-hmm. and here we see that the uh, the auto male uh, mechanics here do a little bit of both, actually, so that, that's where the distinction would be made in real life. Right, so like, um, I think later on we'll find out that he like his nerves connect or something, and he, like, yeah, feels yeah. a jolt. Yeah, um, I don't. I, I I've seen like you know cool YouTube videos of uh, people controlling like, a robotic arm with their minds, but usually like the prosthetics we'll see uh, in real life is a little knee replacement, just something a lot more structural rather than functional. Nothing that moves, you know. Right, so uh, midway into the chapter, we really meet Marco for the first time. Uh, Marco is this doctor who was also in the Ishvar campaign. He, I think, he fought alongside. I don't know if he. F- well, he, he didn't technically fight. fight. He was, a, he yeah, he was, was a doctor who helped uh, produce right. philosopher stones. He did uh, research on um, certain uh, certain people. Right. Um, so he's like he's hiding pretty much from the military, even though he. I, I guess you would call him a a, um, a deserter. Is he? A, I don't know. I guess he didn't. He didn't technically desert. He just left the army right after he finished. I guess. And then mm-hmm. uh, right before the chapter ends, uh, he gives a note to his his research to Ed- Edward, and then um, we just end on Lus appearing and just threatening him. Uh. So I guess one thing I would ask you guys is um, uh, here around like the end we see uh, Marco I don't want to call it summon so I guess you call it transmute like a pillar into into lust. Mm-hmm. So in typically typically when you see something like that it just shows that um, this would have been an insta kill for everybody else. So what do you guys infer from this? I wouldn't call her an immortal. Like she seems, she has definitely regenerative powers, so it's definitely going to be someone hard to kill since she's obviously the antagonist so far. Right. Yeah. So I think it just shows that um, 
if we combine with the last guy that was introduced in the last chapter, uh, we can see that these um these these guys with like those special Ouroboros tattoos are really a step above um what most people in in this um in the series so far are. Um, so anyway, I guess we can move on to chapter nine. So chapter nine, uh, we get a good look at the people that make up um the hometown and inhabitants of uh, Edward. Uh, and so we did talk a little bit about prosthetics last chapter, uh, and here we really see there's like a, a difference between prosthetics and auto mail. Yep, absolutely. What, what the prosthetic seems a lot more bland, um, a lot more functional, as we said for this guy in the, the opening scene, it's just a leg that would be used for walking, whereas Edwards would actually consist of a weapon almost. Or just something he can control with flexibility, like his hands, he can move his knuckles, his fingers. Yeah. Right, with prosthetics, it'd just be fixed. And then we're introduced to Winry for the first time. Uh, so how, what, what kind of first impressions do you have? Do you guys have from Winry? A uh, tomboy mechanic, like... Yeah, like the, the childhood neighbor that you grew up with, uh, you know, that you would play tag with, tackle along. Um... So it's, it's not a dynamic you necessarily. It's it's a weird dynamic that you see in animes. Usually in animes, you have a lot of uh, um, the relationships between males and females. It's either like pure infatuation or a very uh, tsundere kind of um, mechanic where you know the girls is very cold and then slowly opens up. But here, you know, we're, the the relationship between the two is laid out in a flat, bare open right from the get go. Right. I mean, they're family at this point. They spent yeah. their childhood yeah. together. They live beside each other. He <laughs> lost his parents, so he's probably with them for so many days. Right. And there's um, there's also some like background information. Like they, like her family took his family in after, after his dad died. Uh, well, his dad left them, and his mom died. Yeah. Um, so we also learn a little bit more about the family. So, for example, we know that uh, Winry's parents were in the Ishvar war. As doctors, yeah. So it just keeps calling back to it. And with that much calling, it sort of foreshadows that the Ishvar war is a really big, important historical event for everybody in this uh, in this series. Uh, I also like to point out, uh, around midway through the chapter... They talk about uh, the blood seal inside Alphonse's um, armor. Mm-hmm. I thought this was a really cool mechanic that this is like... A, because Alphonse doesn't feel pain, he doesn't feel hunger, he doesn't feel sleep even. Uh, the fact that they give like a vulnerable point that, a vulnerable point that he has to like, uh, watch out for is a really good touch. Uh, it, it, it makes it like uh, more personable instead of just... Uh, it, it keeps reminding you that Alphonse is a person. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it really just the chapter ends with them connecting Auto Mail back, so that uh, Edward is able to transmute Alphonse's body back to full. Um, so I think one thing I want to ask you guys is, why do you think Edward needs an Auto Mail arm to transmute? Why? Because he needs to make a. They explained it a bit later, didn't they? Like he, because he saw sort of the door of knowledge. That he 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 makes an alchemy circle within himself, so he can transmute without actually having to draw it. Right. I was just a little confused by the mechanics of it. So, like, because it's a metal arm, why was why can he use that as a, 
like I could I could understand that he has to like clap his hand before he could do alchemy, but wouldn't he also be able to just draw an alchemist circle and then fix his body, uh, fix fix Alphonse's body, and then fix his own arm even? Oh, mm. well, maybe it's just that in order to to use alchemy, you still have to be able to know how to make the particular object you have in mind. So maybe Edward just simply does not have the expertise to to transmute his own arm because. Um, there could be a lot of complex mechanisms underlying it, right? right so. Well, I mean, it's his own arm. I think he'd like learn to study that to know how to fix it. And <laughs> I figured too. So you, guys, you guys think and that there's by, like a... by what Yuan said, if he if he could have done it with one hand, he could have fixed Alphonse directly with just drawing the circle. Mm-hmm. So, unless, because I don't think Edward Edward definitely did study how to use alchemist circles, right? Yeah. That was before they did the transmutation for, with their mother. Well, I guess like it might just be like a story device, a literary device that forces them to meet uh, to go back. But uh, yeah. either way, the chapter really ends with just uh, a funny thing where uh, she realizes she might have forgotten a, a special part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for the auto mail. So yeah, we move on to chapter ten. Uh, say. So they, they finally have a lead thanks to Marco and he wants to go search up on the lead for on the Philosopher's Stones but they find out that it was all burnt. Uh, so it's a lot of, there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of talking in this chapter. Um, Scar and Gluttony clash and the whereabouts are sort of unknown I believe for a little while and uh, honestly this is a chapter I didn't personally enjoy too much because this um, this new character that's introduced uh, I forget her name, like Seska or something. Yeah. Um, I feel like it was a little too convenient that she had like photographic memory. Uh, I wish there was a different way you could do it. Um, that she has photographic memory and that she couldn't find a job. <laughs> Surprise! Right. Very surprised. Well, I mean, there's like a there's a lot of weird like uh there's a lot of weird things. First, that she read whatever Marco wrote. Second, in that she had photographic memory, and third is that she was well. Everybody knew that she had photographic memory, I guess. Um, so I, th- I think this this chapter was a little annoying in in terms of storytelling, but I guess it's it's the most simplistic way to get things done. Hmm. Also, to note um, in this chapter too is that we have Lost and Gluttony. Um, they're able to detect. Um, the man known as Scar walking through the sewers, and they decide to attack him. Set the shows the readers well, I mean, how. Uh, has a very heightened sense of smell. We learned yeah. this later in the series. So, but so... what's important to see from this also is that the the multiple antagonists that we're seeing in the story are not necessarily allied with one another. So we're seeing right. several factions right, yes. emerge here, right? Right. Yeah. We've got the guys with the tattoos. We've got Scar, and then we have. Um, the Edward brothers and uh, the Elric brothers as well. And the, the, the army, military. I guess. Yeah. Right, and also it gives us sort of like a, a more information. Like we talked last episode about what kind of setting you guys think this is. So there's like a sewer system. Uh, there's, mm-hmm. there's cameras. I think there's like uh, – there's definitely a, a, a phone. Uh, I don't know if there's any computers. Um, in any case, uh, I think – one thing that I would say that I really enjoyed um, was that um, they talked about how al- different alchemists coded the research differently, and that how almost every alchemist does some sort of research. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
uh, Marco did did his as sort of like um like a recipe book. Uh, as a joke, he said that Roy Mustang does it as uh, woman names. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I thought that was really. I was wondering when I started this that why doesn't Al know how to do like the flame alchemy uh, moves or whatever and such, and why can't he just copy whatever he sees? But it's because they code all their research and can't look up how. Right, mm-hmm. like even Edward, like he does his sort of like a travel logs, and especially considering him and Alphonse travel a lot, even if he lost the book somebody would actually just think it was like a daily uh, daily diary kind of thing and then uh we get we get introduced to uh, is this the first time we're introduced to Hugh I well, think we met, um, we met him a couple yeah, chapters before cuz he re- right after the scar incident cuz he came to visit right and he um, told the lieutenant well the colonel mustang that the uh, scar killed brigadier general gran which was a big guy in the Ishbar War. We learned later on. Right. So, um, around the end of the chapter, we really just find out that the the recipe for the Philosopher's Stones that they've been chasing the whole time was made by living humans. Which, um, which I guess, I guess, did you guys sort of expect that the first time running through? I at least I could tell you guys that when I because of the way that you know the Philosopher's Stone isn't an original idea. Uh, the way I always thought of it was as like a, uh, when I first read through the series the first time, I always thought it was like this rare sort of like a mineral kind of thing. So yeah. the fact that they took a different approach was really neat, I guess. Uh, it would also explain, you know, why it it has specific properties. Yeah, in all the books I've read that ever like mentioned a philosopher's stone, there's always this one rock. There weren't many. There wasn't, like, multiple different uh, minerals that can be put together to make it a Philosopher's Stone. There's just this one special rock and that you can use it infinite amount of times to do whatever you need. And here you make it, but then it breaks after a certain amount of time. So the fact that living humans is the recipe... And in some ways, it sort of answers... It, it sort of brings up more questions than it answers. Like, uh... How was it made? I guess would be like like they tell you what it's made from, but it doesn't tell you how it's made and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So there's still yeah. a lot of answers that need to be well. There's a lot of questions that need to be answered. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to chapter eleven, they do some quick detective work, and uh, they sort of boil down and pinpoint a location that they want to really look into, which is a research institute uh, that Doctor Marco used to work at. Um, and then pretty much they just sneak out. Yeah, they also they also suspect this research institute in particular because it's right next to a prison, right? So, right, and then considering they now know that human human, well, I want to say human bodies, but it's not technically just a body, but hu- like fresh they humans are, yeah. are needed. They are looking for like a, a place of easily accessible source of humans, mm-hmm. um, and then we're really met with two. Uh, there's no point hiding it. They're two like living armors, I guess would be the perfect term. Yeah, so the same thing as Alphonse, their their souls imbued into armor. Yeah, and then this really they, there's a conflict. Uh, Alphonse takes on uh, I forget his number, but I know he, yes, the number slasher sixty six, right? Sixty six. While Elric uh, Edward, is, uh, 
166, one's 48, but... Um, I know he eventually becomes known as Barry. Barry the Ripper, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, then uh, Edward takes on the samurai-looking armor. Um, He's not one soul, but two souls. Right. Uh, one gag I actually appreciated a lot was... um. Uh, Barry, which is sort of like this goofy, goofy <laughs> guy. Serial He's like, "Oh, yeah. you found out I'm uh, I'm a living armor. Why aren't you scared?" <laughs> and then um, uh, Alphonse reveals that he's also living armor, and then he's frightened. That that was a funny gag. <laughs> but I think in uh, now we're moving into chapter twelve, which is pretty much the fight continues. Uh, around midway, they sort of. Uh, Barry hints at the possibility that Alphonse's personality and memories were artific- artificially created by by his brother. Um, I thought that was actually a really neat uh, thing that I personally didn't consider up till that point. You know, um, there's no there's no reason why there, there's no reason why that's not that's not True. impossible though. That's yeah. why it was such a neat concept. Um, as we all know, well, we didn't look into it just yet, but you'll eventually find out that, uh, Edward did indeed, like, um, I guess transfer the soul over, but we don't know if it's, like, a perfect transfer, we, like, even if he didn't, per, like, purposely try and, and screw with, uh, Alphonse's personality or memories, doesn't mean that there's no, there's no mistakes that could have happened in midway through the transfer or anything like that. Yeah. It also uh, brings up another uh, theme that's commonly uh, seen throughout the story. Ironically, it's the name of the chapter, but the definition of being a human, you know, like, do you need a human body? Like, are you a human if you have feelings and just a soul? Like, what exactly makes you human, right? Right. Like, is it because we feel feelings? Is it because we have memories? Is it because mm-hmm. we have a soul? Like, if if you... Uh, if you lack any of those, are you less than human? So there's like these weird, weird, like philosophical things you could say. If you're transmuted, let's say, right? Like um, the, the the creation that Edward and uh, Alphonse made in their house, is that considered a human, right? Right, yeah, because it has like all, it's, it's, well, at least if we were to believe the his notes, he he's, I guess chemically, chemically he's a human. I mean, human composition would be accurate. Right, but we don't know if, uh, you know, we don't know if it feels. We don't know if it has emotions and stuff like that. So <laughs> that's a little uh, deeper than I I wanted to go right now. Uh, so really, <laughs> the chapter just ends with them, uh, with with the ar- the samurai armor head, uh, revealing that, uh, yes, they were right in their guesses that the prisoners were sent over to create philosopher stones with. Yeah. We appreciate how Elric does the uh, scars the. Uh... Alchemy move. Just... Oh, like the everything I touch breaks or whatever. Yeah, because it. What is it? It's transforming, then disintegrating, then it's creation or something. Right. Yeah. 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 He, he cuts off the steps, and that's what leads up to him dis uh, dis uh, disintegrating or unlinking the molecules or whatever. That's what. That's what breaks up all the armor. Mm-hmm. Right. It, like, breaks up the chemical bonds, I guess. It doesn't use that enough in the series, to be honest. It seems very practical. Uh, so eventually, I think uh, we just meet again Lust, and... I, I, is it revealed yet that this guy... I don't think it's a spoiler, so... Uh, is it revealed yet that this guy's Envy? Yeah. 
Okay, so I don't feel bad spoiling it. Uh, so yeah, they just come up. So they keep reoccurring. So it's pretty obvious by now that this is they're uh, big players. Um, and they take down the research facility. Uh, one thing that that if there's like there's like a different thing where you don't know a hundred percent if they're definitely villains because they he they did they definitely had the chance to take out Edward right here and now, but instead they they save him after taking down the research facility and then uh, I think they end by calling him like oh he's like of something precious like a precious material or something precious yeah. sacrifice you know right so they also like, referred to Marco with the same term to uh, yeah a little while back before. yes so the and then like considering we just found out the Philosopher's Stone was made of humans there's like you could sort of infer some kind of knowledge between the two uh and really, the chapter ends... Well, midway through the chapter, we're introduced to the first time to Kimberly. Uh, so this is really a weird chapter. Um, uh, not a weird chapter. It's like a weird introduction, because I don't I don't think this was a necessary introduction. It's not so much an introduction as a little teaser, right? What is he saying? He likes explosions. Uh, we see he has... Um, transmutation circles on his hands, very very similar to, to Mustang. Right, and then you can see like they they bound his arm, his hands, so that's impossible for them to touch each other. Yeah. So he's, he's like, oh, oh, they should, they tease him out as a very like powerful and psych- psychologically unstable person. And he's obviously in prison, so yeah, he's definitely yeah. no good guy. Uh, and then they end up in the hospital. Uh. Them and the two officials, I don't think we ever talked about them, so I don't remember their names off the top of my head. Um, Talking about Maria and... Uh, yeah, Maria, and what's the other guy? I don't know his name, unfortunately. Hmm. Doesn't really matter, but they have a hard heart, and like you gotta trust adults a little more. And then, like at this point, we sort of remember that, that Edward is still like 15. He's still, yeah, he's still a kid. Yeah. And uh, be- during the fight, he screwed his automail arm again, like two chapters into after fixing it. So he calls uh, Winry, who... Which wasn't not- the swap, actually. Like, if we come back to it, like, it's because she forgot the bolt. I know, yeah. I know. Yeah, you're right. Which is actually not bad, since he probably would have gotten his ass kicked even more if his arm didn't fail him. So. Right. And um, near the end, um, Alphonse just really takes, like, the words of Barry, like, uh, hard. He, he like, starts wondering if, if there's any truth to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he starts to uh, take it out on Edward, question Edward almost, right? And then, like, it, it, they're very justifiable thoughts for him to have, but once he expresses it to, in front of Edward and Winry, like, they, they just break down on him because they... They try to snap him back to reality to make him realize all all of the things like they, they care about him for, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so anyway, moving on to the next chapter, chapter fourteen, we re re meet uh, Hughes, and uh, at this point, he really plays sort of like a a um, comedic relief sort yeah, of comedic relief sort of character. Role. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, he keeps mentioning his daughter, his daughter, his daughter, his birthday is coming up. Um, so, yeah, it's it sort of... Whenever he comes in, he helps lighten the mood. And then he drags Winry to go meet his daughter, and we meet him for the first time. And, you know, 
I I said at the beginning that we want you guys to have read up to chapter 25, so I don't mind talking about this, but I'm just going to say it now. Um, little girls in this series, um, it's never good. It's rough, man. Yeah, you Ugh. can't get attached to any of these little girls, dude. I mean, nothing really happens to her, but like... Well, I mean... It's still sad. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's really um, sort of this is really character building for Marco and uh, if you never read up read this series then you you probably don't might not understand why they keep building up Marco but um by the end of this you sort of understand why I guess well I mean he's, he's part of uh, Luke, uh, Colonel Mustang sort of Entourage. The entourage, yeah, they're trying to bring him up. Right, and I think uh, time and time again, they show that um, Hughes and and Mustang have like a really close bond. They really trust each other uh, in a way that uh, Mustang trusts few others. Yeah. Yeah. So chapter 15 starts with what Jag referenced a little earlier where uh, they sort of, Alphonse really brings up the things that's been on his mind lately. Uh, so, Chai, how did you process this part? So, you know, we, we clearly see that uh, it's been bugging Alphonse for quite a few uh, quite a few pages, and then um, he gets everything out. He pours out uh, his soul, if you wish. And we have Edward saying, uh, is that everything you want to say? And then... Uh, when we just snaps the tone of the story and just smacks Alphonse in the head, um, you know, how can he possibly think these things despite everything that the two brothers have gone through, right? Right. And then at the end, they just settle like boys and just beat Yeah, exactly. So it's a little introduction to the darker themes uh, we're going to start to experience a little bit more throughout the story. Right. Um, so at the end... Like the same way that we realized last uh, last few chapters that Edward is in the, indeed still like fifteen, Alphonse mm-hmm. is like even younger. So it's, it's younger. normal. It's normal for for people their age to. Well, I mean, we were that age too. So uh, finding right. themselves is is a really big theme too, and trying to come to terms with what you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little later, we get introduced for the first time to President uh, Bradley. Mm-hmm. So, uh, depending on... King Bradley, my friend. President King Bradley. Hell of a name. Now, I remember in other translations, and even in, in like, even in official translations, like, he took off a few different titles. Um, obviously, the one that that uh, you might have heard of was uh, Fur. But how yeah. do you say it? Yeah. Uh, Max, how do you say it? Shiva? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah I, 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 like that one... Um, President King, what do you, what title do you guys prefer? Um, I mean, I personally prefer President King and Bradley. So, sounds badass, to be honest. Trula is just, it's just leader. In my head, I've always, like, stuck with Fruer because um, my my first copy of uh, Fullmetal Alchemist manga was, like, a volume, uh, I had volumes one to... Uh, like up to like sixteen, we'll say. So they they always do fur for Bradley. So I've always just stuck with that in my head. Um, but also like when we remember that uh, Edward and Alphonse's hometown was called Elisberg, right? 
Right. Well, we see some very like German themes in in the setting. E- oh, you're right. Uh, I actually didn't think of that. So you saying this might help us give even better of an idea of what kind of setting this is. So this is obviously now uh, European, probably with German. What's the European Industrial Revolution? Mili- very military uh, centric, um, if you wish. Mm. You guys were talking about the, the the flaps on the jackets, the lapels that the uh, all the yeah. uh, the uh, the military men are uh, right. wearing as their uniform. That's it's very reminiscent of like World War Two uh, uniform as well, right? The uh, the trench coats, the uh, the storm coats, and all that. And Max, uh, you are of German descent, so uh, what do you what do you know about uh, World War Two Germany? Uh, it was a rough time for the population. People were demoralized. They were looking for a savior because of the Great Depression that happened before. So they're looking at different parties, looking for for for, for someone to give them the answer to bring back their country. And well, yeah. So under Hitler, it became very militaristic, which honestly, Full Metal Alchemist showcases pretty well. So I'd say it's a Pretty, it's a pretty good comparison. So, um, around around, uh, like around midway, Hughes really discovers something, like some sort of a pattern or something, and um, he sort of wants to tell Roy about it, and then Lust just comes in, and I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty dark stuff. Uh, he's about to to tell. He's about to connect finally with Roy, like on the phone, and then uh, she she pulls a gun on him, and because these guys have the ability to transform, he transforms into his wife's face. So um, Hughes isn't able to emotionally get past that barrier to actually take her down, which I, I, to be fair, I don't think he would have been able anyway. Um, but it just shows that these guys can be quite manipulative, and they also have quite the information network, so that. Uh, she knows, you know, the important people in his life. Mm-hmm. Is it, isn't it just Envy that can transform? Well, I guess yeah. now it's sort of proved that... Because we only all... saw her transform, because we saw her in the earlier chapters as uh, the, 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 the church leader who transformed back into Envy. And we always see Lust and Gluttony in their original form, so... Right, so are you saying... Do you think this is Envy still, or is it actually? It's still Lust? Envy, yeah. Because okay. Envy took the form of Lust when she went to visit Marco. Could have just transformed and got him by surprise instead of just going as herself. Oh, okay. But I think yeah. it's just Envy that can transform. Yeah. I actually didn't think of that. I actually thought this was Lust the entire time, and I thought they all had the why. I well, thought... I, I think like when when Lust appears, like that's actually Lust, and then like I think they're always working. All three of them at the same oh, time, right? That's awesome. Yeah, that was, once he escapes for a little while, she knows that Envy's gonna pick up the slack after. I mean, you can't really leave Gluttony alone. Like, I kind of think he's just gonna start eating people at one point. <laughs> Correct. Right. Um. So chapter sixteen is it starts off with you know something lighthearted, and when he says like I'd like to go visit the Hughes family again, and then I think this is a legendary a legendary funeral scene. Um. Ending up with uh, Roy saying that it's raining, just so that he could uh, could cry. Yeah, could cry. 
So I think we've I've seen like different interpretations of this scene like time and time again. Uh, so obviously I don't think we explained too well our emotional thoughts on these last few chapters. Uh, so Jack, can you just give me like a, a quick round of your feelings that having read up to this point for the first time? Yeah, well, I think um, one thing is that when you're reading through the manga, you just see a couple of panels of uh, the Arc brothers and Winry spending time with uh, Lieutenant Hughes. But in the anime, um, you see like almost like seasons pass. Like they, they've been spending almost like years, with months with him, right? Right, because so, uh, I think it was at least until Edward heals up in the hospital. Yeah, it was a very, very long time. You know, like we see like they're, they're spending a lot more time together than you would see in the anime, in the, the manga. Yeah, the manga seems like his death comes really quick in the anime. Yeah. It seems like it's it's been like a very long time that he's been in the story. Yeah. Right, and I think there was like that emotional buildup. So you get familiar, uh, not familiarity. It's not the right word. Familiarity. Okay, yeah. Uh, so you get to learn a little more about Hughes and stuff like that. Uh, so you really start building up to it. Um, I think. Uh, Near Roy just starts um trying to investigate how he got he got done in, uh, and then he he does a quick talk with um, Armstrong, and we just show I think this scene really just shows how Armstrong is a little uh, soft, mm. mm-hmm. by giving hints away. Right, exactly. So it really speaks to that what kind of person he is. Uh, we get to meet again. So I was actually Why a little... Armstrong and. Uh... Hughes were were tight. They were friends, so he probably knew about him and Mustang being even closer friends. It's probably also why he gave him. Uh, so the last thing I want to really talk about is um, we get met with like this Ishvar settlement. Uh, so it really just shows that Ishvar people aren't like, all dead, but they're not doing well either. Oh, it's they're, yeah, they were very uh, they're all over the place. Like yeah. a gypsy refugee kind of. Uh, yeah, they're like in slums and stuff. Vibe, yeah. We do get to see his uh, scars, cool ass tattoo arm, though. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I think chapters. Um. I want to say. Eighteen and beyond were really about. Well, chapter eighteen and and was really just like world building. Um, there's like Automail City, and it's overall not too important, so I don't want to dive too deep into that. Uh, do you guys just have any quick thoughts about about that specific part? I mean, just just about the girl's legs that make her super athletic. Right. So, do you guys think Automails makes you more athletic, or how does that work? I mean, if she had regular legs, I'm pretty sure she wouldn't be able to do all that stuff. You know. <sighs> Well, I think like the like slashing through a cage, yeah, that would require automobile. But the 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 acrobatics and the, the gymnastics, right? Like that that's all muscle work, right? So, um, I think she's she's got some nice uh, gymnast talent in her. Okay. Um, it's also a moment like this. This seems also a moment to, to showcase Winry and her ability to step up in certain situations too, right? Right. Yes. And it sort of calls back to her, not her lineage, but her parents who were doctors. So there's yeah. maybe a little bit of doctor in her. Yeah. It also brings up about the theme, right? Like, what does it mean to be a human? We've All this time we've been talking about, like, creating humans through the Philosopher's Stone, reviving people, but we just forget about the most natural all way. the complex mechanisms implied in creating a human, like, naturally, right? Right. Uh, 
so chapter 20, we get introduced to uh, Izumi, uh, the Elric mm-hmm. brothers' uh, master. Um, so we also sort of un- we sort of get revealed to the father for the first time of the two brothers, so Hohenheim. Yeah. Um, there's not really too much that is learned about it. And then um, the next few chapters are really just flashbacks as to how they got their powers. Or, well, it's a really just a complete flashback. We've been getting teased about it here and there. Um, so I sort of want to... It's their training montage for when, from when they were kids. Just right. how they got to where they are. You're right, yes. It is a training montage. So I don't want to go into each chapter one by one. So overall, can what do you guys have to say about... Um, how about this? We, let's just talk about the the concept of life i think it keeps coming up uh in these few chapters we've been talking about today uh so for example obviously giving birth is a kind of life um we talked about alphonse being stuck in the armor as a different kind of life uh the the little girl holding the cat asking izumi to bring it back to life uh in the training montage they they have to hunt animals to survive so it's like circle of life i guess yeah. yeah, precisely, and that's why in alchemy they're always using circles. You know, for example, and for example, like also when they see the door of truth, it's I'm using myself as a circle. Yeah. Myself as a circle, but the circle is the world. So you become your own world. That's what they want to say, right? That's what he explains at one point, sort of like that. Yeah, when they're explaining like how they they did it. Yeah. Yeah, and uh... also that island though, like that was ruthless for like a ten and eleven year old. Wow. I don't think I could do that. Yeah, I don't also, think it's legal to do that. We see uh, Izumi whenever she's uh, she's telling the boys that they have it lightly because she had to survive on Briggs Mountain. Well, we get, we we get a little bit more information about that late, a lot later later on, so it's a little funny in comparison. Right. You know, so right after the training montage, though, we we get to the probably the most pivotal pivotal um, event in these boys' life is that they finally try and revive. Uh, their mother. So originally, I thought, um, I thought it was like uh, their mother died, and they were trying to revive her like within the week. So I think this um, gives more of a timeline. So it's probably, probably at like least years half, later. Yeah. Maybe not years. Maybe at least like, at least like half a year. I don't know how. Oh, yeah, you're right. Because they they learned alchemy a bit. Then they met the master at some random event, uh, the storm. And yeah. then they trained for like less than half a year. Yeah. Um, so we get introduced to like that that I don't know if it's a tablet or a door for the first time. That keeps coming back and back. It does look like a tablet. I've it? always referred to it as the door. Because right, it, 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 it opens right? at at certain points. Yeah. yeah. Door of truth. So I don't think we'll have the time today, but I definitely want to revisit uh, to try and see if there's anything we can learn off like the design of the door. Mm-hmm. Um. There are a lot of words on there. There, there are a lot of places that are reset, like pater, which is basically dad in Greek. Okay. Oh. And I, I couldn't oh, read any other words except for that one specifically. So, it might be interesting to look back at it. Yeah, like I think I see Sephiroth uh, somewhere in there, which is a, probably a biblical kind of thing. Um, I don't know. What <laughs> well, the, the concept of a tree to it roots. Branching down is another like concept of like the tree of life, I suppose. Right, yes. The world tree, perhaps. Probably. Yeah. And then um, there's this mysterious figure that says, I'll show you true knowledge. So there's a lot of sort of 
magical things um, happening at the same time. And then we find out how Edward loses his arm and how eventually um, Alphonse loses his whole body. Uh, but I think the chapter after that is probably my favorite chapter of all the chapters we've read um, this this episode. Uh, so pretty much... Roy gets tricked by a fake application to come visit the boys, thinking they're thirty something, thirty something oh year old God, alchemists. Yeah. Uh, they come in and he's, he's like, "Oh wait, you mean like the the seven year old boys?" He's like, what do you mean seven years old? Uh, so anyway, we see we see that Roy. I think it's sort of like an alchemist. All alchemists know know there's like things that you shouldn't do, so they know in the back that. Um, because they still haven't had the time to clean up what, what I guess, their mess. So he saw the alchemist circles. He saw, even though it's a failed, the human transmutation and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. he knows that they're skilled enough. Uh, there's some world buildings. We know that, you know, if you're a state alchemist, you get access to, like, tons of funds, uh, knowledge. Secret information. Yeah, mm-hmm. probably, like, a, a passport that lets you go everywhere and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then um, you can see Edward's resolve in, taking, in, in accepting the automail, uh, which was referenced a few chapters back that says, like, automail isn't, like, a, an easy thing to take. Like, most people don't want to go through automail. Because like, of the pain and everything, because yeah, you're exactly. connecting the nerves. So mm-hmm. I imagine that's terribly painful. And then we see what a state alchemist exam looks like. Uh, I guess this one's more simple, but... um. <laughs> They're like, show me what you got, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Fucks it out. For all your Pokeball, show me your mom. Like it's he just po- he just summoned something. Like, what are they actually supposed to do? Just destroy the building? It was it wasn't clear what they were expecting from him, per se. Right, yeah. And then I guess we could sort of end up on where we told where we said we would end up today, so chapter twenty five. Uh, there's a lot of world there's a lot of events happening at once. So um, Roy gets transferred over to Central, which we can imagine is like the heart of, of the country. Um, and then he's choosing along the members he want to bring. Uh, eventually, we get <laughs> it. Sort of ends on this lizard-looking guy uh, harassing the, the brothers, and then we're introduced back to a new a new character, which has the Ouroboros tattoo, which eventually, which we've come to understand is uh, something quite important. So overall, what do you guys have as closing thoughts for all these, uh, up to 25? Lots of happening. Now we have a lot, a lot more information. Yeah, I think at this point, probably like 80% of all characters have been introduced. Yeah. Yeah. And that's... Yeah. Now we just... We're getting... The reader's... No, knowing what we know, we, we're seeing the readers being set up for the the domino effect. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, there's like uh, there's there's so much world building at this point. Uh, people that we've liked have died. People that we've not liked have been introduced and stuff like that. Um, I guess. I guess it's a. <laughs> There's just so much has happened. Uh, like I said, uh, little girls are destructive in this series. So you probably have to watch out if there's any little girls in the future to not get your holds up. Um, 
there's a lot of politics that are in play. You know, in the army, there's Roy that wants to take Bradley's spot. Um, while there's like others, others play key key players, uh, either taking his side or going up against him. Um, so yeah, I think it's a really good episode. Uh, for those who are following us, please, we'll be going up till chapter 44. Any final thoughts, guys? Uh, I'm I super excited for this character. This oh, go for it. <laughs> Sorry, Jay, I didn't. Go for Sorry, it. my bad. No, I, I just have to say that right now we've done a lot of world building, a lot of character backstory building. And now, um, you just gotta enjoy the ride that's about to come. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so this, all the key players are in play, so we just have to see how they roll out. All right, thanks for listening, guys. It was a all pleasure. Right. Thanks, uh, this is a sign off from me, you won. Goodbye, everyone. This is Max getting off. Not this a weird is, uh, way. Jack, thanks for having me here today. And fuck Take VJ. Care. Fuck VJ. Uh, fuck VJ.